Are you struggling in your faith? Are you pretending you're happy but stuck in a spiritual rut? Are you tired of listening to famous pastors and preachers who make it sound so easy? Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Protestant and Catholic voice in America. I talk about the important things that nobody else is talking about, like how to align with God's plan for your life, because I believe this is where 90% of Christians get stuck. And I tackle the negative self-talk that we all secretly struggle with but won't admit. My guests are brave Protestants and Catholics who share their struggles, their fears, and their daily holy habits that help them win in their spiritual lives. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist and a spiritual coach to Christian business owners and CEOs who are married with children. This show was created for you, the broken Catholic, who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. Today, my featured guest is Jeff Simon. Jeff built a transformational business in an old line transactional industry, hearing aids. The big why behind the need for hearing aids is improved relationships. The foundation of relationship is communication. But hearing aids are sold as a commodity, not as a life changer. Jeff and his wife and business partner, Anne, operate their business in defense of family. Their work in hearing care renits relationships and communities and glorifies God. In building a successful business based on scriptural principles, Jeff has uncovered how story is the basic building block for joy, hope, and freedom, as well as fear, shame, and guilt. You can run a successful business in service to our Heavenly Father. This is what Jeff and his wife believe. Through the integrated work of story, Jeff can show you how. So we're going to challenge him today to do exactly that, to show you how. BC Nation. You can find Jeff at jeff-simon.com, jeff-simon.com. Jeff, welcome to Broken Catholic, number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. Take a minute, share something. Uh, take a minute, just fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Joseph, uh, wonderful to be to, with to be with you today, um, and uh, what a tremendous opportunity to just share our love, our mutual love of our Heavenly Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, with the folks out there in, in BC Nation today. BC Nation, BC before Nation. Christ hits your life. There you go. That's what we're go. about, right? And, um, and what a what a lovely double entendre you have there, Broken Catholic and, and, and Before Christ. It's not lost on me, my friend. God Excellent. came up with the name, not me. So They're very good. All right, Jeff, uh, take a minute, share something personal about you that very few people in your business life actually know. Gee, let me see. Of all the secrets I would share, what's the one that I would pull out? Well, something um, embarrassing, maybe. Something embarrassing. Okay. So I would, I don't know if I call this embarrassing. Um, so my wife and I, um, so this magnificent, marvelous partner that I have in life and in business and, and, in, and in the Lord, uh, we met through speed dating. What? Sitting yeah. at the tables and hopping next table. Everybody bing. up, shift, bang, time's up. But I bing. just got to not know you. Go ahead. That's right. That's right. So, yep, ding, ring the bell, move on. Um, and so, yep, it was uh, it was one of those it was one of those um, 
speed dating success stories. Um, I actually believe uh, that they had contacted us maybe about a year or so after we married and were asking if we were still together and wanted to include us on a news report. And I asked my wife, who is a little bit more, she's more inclined to keep those things under her vest uh, than I am. Uh, and, and she said, eh. So, uh, so it didn't, it didn't make whatever newscast, uh, that was, um, but, uh, it, it was, it really was one of those magnificent, uh, events of provision in my life. So we met, um, at speed dating, uh, we had a couple of phone calls. We didn't actually have our first date for a couple of weeks. Um, our first date was on July 11th, um, 2002, nine weeks later, we were on a drive up to the mountains where we were living um, and to, on the way to go camping. And I had this deep knowing that she would be my wife. Mm. So to clarify, was it love at first ding or it developed over time? I, I guess the way that I would characterize it is, is that there was like, the only reason why we would stop the conversations is because one of us needed to go to bed um, in those early days. It was as if it was as if we had known each other our whole lives. Um, and so there was just this deep, easy flow in the way that communicated and the way that we shared our life together. And I wouldn't say like go so far as to finish each other's sentences, not in that sense, but definitely in the sense that uh, that that we just had this easy rapport and, and it developed as a deep loving friendship. That was the basis of it. And then, and then it was just very clear at that. I mean, certainly the physical attraction was there, but it was clear at that nine week time frame uh, that she was the one. Now, one of the kind of interesting things about that, I was much larger at the time. I was probably in the two thirties. Um, larger and, weight. We're talking yep, larger yep, weight. Yeah, my weight. I was in the two thirties. Um, I was. Uh, uh, I had. To, it was the wrong kind of weight, not the right kind of weight. Mm -hmm. um, I am a, a much fitter uh, a specimen now, and uh, you know a good wife will do that to you, Jeff. Well, I I asked her once. So so my my daughter. We have a, we have a daughter. She was looking through some old photos, and and she. And she said she must have been about 10. And so it was a picture of her and me holding our hands, walking in a parade. And she held this up and she said, mommy, who is this man? Um, because there was the, the, the physical change was before and after that event. And, and she, and she came in, she was kind of laughing. She hands me the picture and she says, did you hear what, what our daughter just asked? And I, and I looked at the picture and I said, did you realize you married a fat guy? <laughs> and she said, I knew you'd figure it out. It's awesome. Yeah. You know, I can relate to that, not with the physical weight, but with the spiritual weight, the emotional weight, the brokenness. Like when my wife first met me, I was very overweight with the world, just broken, miserable, sinful. And you can look at that version of me and it would be like a before photo. Like, who is that guy? I have no idea who that guy is. We all carry burdens. We all yeah. carry burdens. And then and when my, God transforms yep. your life, man, it's like, 
it's it's fitness. It's spiritual fitness. He pulls you into it. All right, let's get in with the show here, Jeff. All right. I love the romance story. That was beautiful. <laughs> beautiful, man. All right. Uh, I'd like you to paint us a quick picture. Um, tell us how you first experienced God, like in a real intangible way where you just knew you were loved. He was your father. You were his son. And he had good plans for you. Like paint us a vivid picture. Tell us that story. Sure. So I am I am a Bible believing Christian. I I read the Bible regularly. I read books about the Bible regularly. I routinely pray. I routinely listen. I have I have mentors in my life who disciple me in these tasks. I was raised born and raised Jewish. I was bar mitzvah. I was confirmed in the Jewish faith. I was. It must have been fourth grade. I was probably ten years old. Um, and the teacher in the class said, you can only talk to God if you're a rabbi. And my 10-year-old brain kind of went to work on that in the moment, and I thought, wait a minute, what's the difference between me and a rabbi? Well, the rabbi went through seminary. I'm sorry, you have to have a diploma from a seminary school to talk to God? That doesn't make a lick of sense, and I talked, I spoke up. Um, so, uh, my father encouraged me very early in life, uh, to speak my mind, kind of figured out that was sort of something I was inclined to do anyway. So rather than, rather than, um, fight against that natural nature, he decided to foster it. Uh, one of his very good decisions as a father. And, uh, and so when I thought that it probably took maybe a two seconds, it maybe, and I spoke up on, and I raised my hand and I said, wait a minute. So you're telling me, so we ended up getting into an argument at 10 and, and him, at an adult. And so we having this argument about, you know, who's God and where does he talk? Who does he talk to? And how is he only talking to a rabbi? It was in that conflict that I recognized deeply that there was a living God. He did exist. It wasn't just something that you read about in the first stories of Genesis. Um, did I turn to Christ in those days? No, it probably took me a good 35 to 40 years. No, I wouldn't say 40. I would say 45 years before I really came to now back it up a little bit more like 30 to 35 years before I really came to understand what Christ's role was in the, in the triune God relationship. Um, but I had always understood that there was a heavenly father and I experienced him through my life's trials as um, a hand on my shoulder, uh, guiding me, uh, guiding me along the right path. And uh, when I would encounter times in my life with great stress um, and wondering why, um, and then later I would find myself in really hairy situations that I was able to solve. And I kind of like, wait a minute, where'd that solution come from? And I would be able to track a line uh, to that prior trial and that 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 really painful episode that happened earlier in my life gave me the tools that I needed in order to be able to solve the problem that was that was uh, that, that that was the immediate one. I've had that lesson enough times for me to understand uh, what the value of God in my life was. And then I think what really kind of was the tipping point for me. Um, I wasn't, I still wasn't in the church, so to speak, um, but somebody sort of slid Matthew 27, 51 under my nose. 
And, and this is the part where Jesus yields his spirit and the curtain is torn. And that curtain is the one that separated. Um, it was the inner sanctum of the temple. It was the, where the Holy of Holies um, got to meet with the, the priest, whoever the chief priest was, who was designated to meet them. And that curtain being torn was the last barrier between us and God. And that is why we have a personal relationship was because of Jesus' sacrifice. And when I, that picture of the curtain torn was sort of that, you know, when somebody tells you a story and you know, um, like you have, you have the feeling, you have the sense, but you don't have the words, you don't have the metaphor, you don't have the picture in your mind. The tearing of the curtain was the picture in my mind where I said, ah, that is exactly what I have been experiencing God to be these last years. It was, there is no barrier between him and me. That's, that's the experience that he is guiding me and, and carrying me through life and, and that hand on the shoulder. So Jeff, let me ask you this. Do you truly believe that anyone can hear from God and that he still speaks to his children? Not only does he not speak, he, yes, the answer is yes, but he deeply desires and celebrates your, his, your relationship with him. Uh, Zephaniah 317 talks about how um, he will rejoice over you with singing. Um, I mean, think about that. So if you're, you know, us Christians, we're, we're, in, we're in church, we sing psalms to God, but God actually sings songs to you. He deeply wants that connection with you. He wants to co-create beauty with you. I believe you. I've experienced it myself. All right. So, so many times we show up with fear. We show up with shame. We show up with guilt from our past, from the trials and struggles and sufferings of life. We messed up. We made poor decisions. And we feel that we can't go to God because he'll judge us and we're already judging the heck out of ourselves. We feel unworthy around him. We know he's our father. We know he's God, but we don't feel like it. We don't feel like we can go to him and he'll receive us just lovingly like the prodigal father. We feel like he's going to beat us down like a tyrannical type of deity. What do we do in those moments when we feel that way? Have you ever felt that way? How did you get past it? And what do you recommend to my listener right now, if they're there? Um, I think as a backdrop, yeah, maybe a conversation about shame and integrity would be useful. How does that sound? Only if you answer my question, then it sounds okay. Fine. Okay. So <laughs> just sort of like kind of lay, lay a couple of elements out there. Um, so integrity is a concept that we've lost the meaning of. And um, I am on the search I am, I am joining the fight to reclaim it, what it really means. If you ask most folks what integrity means, or if you look it up in the dictionary, which you'll see as honesty, um, it's actually not honesty, it's wholeness, it's completeness. So it is through completeness um, that you will experience honesty. In the absence of completeness, dishonesty would be one of the things that you would reasonably expect to see. Um, and what we've done is we've reduced the concept of integrity 
to a metaphor for something that's a child of the concept. So it's really important from a standpoint to understand wholeness. And that is a desired place that you want to that you want to be. Um, we all make mistakes. We all have elements in our life. Our job is to take those elements and to and to really go to the work of of becoming whole again. And I, ironically, you can't actually achieve integrity without other people in your life. You need to have relationships with others. You need to have a relationship with God in order to achieve that. Um, on the uh, on the religious side, uh, I think some folks might recognize integrity synonymous with sanctification. Okay, so the way shame works is uh, author and psycholo- psychiatrist um, Kurt Thompson, he refers to it as a neurobiological disintegrating force. So shame is not just um, the notion that you're not enough, right? So if you ask somebody to define shame, it's that, that you're not enough. Uh, so your question kind of got get back to, I'm not enough because of my past for me to present myself to God. That's, that's what shame is. Shame is that internal message. What it does is it separates, let's talk about um, the integrity piece. So what's integrate is to bring together, integer is a whole number, disintegrate, is to break apart. So what shame does, it's, it's a disintegrating force. So those that notion of shame, that's pulling you, the parts of you apart. God wants you to see you connected, integrated, and, and loving people in your life will benefit by you being connected. So whatever that shame episode is, what it's doing is pulling the parts of you apart. So how do you reassemble? And that ends up looking like the stories that you tell yourself, the stories that you allow um, to be told in the the reaction that people have uh, to you. Uh, So for instance, uh, if you have a parent uh, that has this particular disapproving look or phrase, and then you begin to question your worthiness, uh, the story that you tell yourself about that, it starts as a feeling and that can grow to language uh, that goes around the stories that you tell about yourself. Challenging those stories, challenging those assumptions, rewriting those stories is part of the process that it takes in order to come to that integration. And you actually have a heavenly father that is desirous to co-work with you in building that integrity. All right, BC Nation, I'm going to do the best I can to break this down to layman's terms because I felt like I was sitting in a classroom, yeah, at a very high collegiate level there, being educated on some very ethereal concepts about shame, about stories we tell ourselves, about relationship with God. So let me try to break it down just for my own understanding. Jeff, you did a great job. I'm just going to break it down for the rest of us, okay? Yeah, we'll we'll take the left brain, we'll take that left brain stuff and try to incorporate the right brain. See, we'll do the integrity bit right here. And so let's let's work I'm, on I'm going to do my stuff. best, okay? And it happens in it, it happens in dialogue. It happens I get in it. I get it. So this is perfect. All right, awesome. All right. So 
BZ Nation, ever since you were a kid, you've been looking at meaningless events in your life. The disapproval of a parent, the facial gestures. There's a whole lot of research and psychology around that, that our kids, even as infants, I have a little infant boy, he's reading my facial gestures and he's interpreting with an undeveloped brain and creating his own story around the meaning of my facial gesture. Right? So you've been doing that ever since you were a kid. And you're taking meaningless events and you're adding your own meaning to them, whether it's accurate or not, whether it's based on reality or just assumption. And that story, that meaning you're giving to it, then turns into language, like Jeff says. And that language you start to repeat back to yourself can either speak life into you or speak death into you if the language becomes lies, meaning you got the story wrong about what actually happened. For example, when I walked in, when I was a little boy, and I won an award at school for art, it's a true story. And I was like, Dad, Dad, look, look what I did. And my dad was on a phone call. And he's like, not now, son. And he shooed me. And I was like, but Dad, but Dad, you got to see. Dad, look. He's like, son, not now. And he's talking with the person. I'm like, but Dad, Dad, look. I was so proud, and I wanted my dad's recognition. And I was so naggy and interruptive that my dad yelled and said, son, I said not now. And he turned back to his call. I didn't know it was a very important call he was on with a very important matter. But I'll tell you the meaning I gave it, that the call, the person, whoever he was talking with was more important than me. And then the other meaning I gave to it was what I have to say doesn't actually matter to dad. Well, if it doesn't matter to my father, my own father who loves me, then it probably doesn't matter to anyone. And that internal lie, that lie I digested and internalized, and it became my truth. And I started to show up and act that way in my own life. Like, I didn't speak up. I didn't, nah, what I have to say doesn't matter. So that's just one example, uh, BC how, Nation. You notice, ahead, how that, you notice how that's a snapshot in time? So that's a... That's a, a really, so you took this, a singular event, uh, a particular event with your, it's just a snapshot in time. It happened. Um, you right. Know, and six, I painted over my whole life and my future with it. Right. 6 p.m. March 3rd, 1973. And, and how did you know, doing. Jeff? <laughs> wow. Prophetic. The, gift of the gift of prophecy. So, so you, you have, you have this event and, and then you, you begin to draw meaning from it. Rather than how do you tell that story in a way that helps you to see yourself yeah. as a as a as a beautiful and desired child of God. So bringing this all back to God, right? So BC Nation, like the there were times in your life when you went through struggles and trials, just like Jeff and myself, and you feel God wasn't there for you. You didn't see him, so you told yourself a story. Well, God didn't save me from that trial, that tragedy, that loss. Well, if God didn't save me, then he really doesn't care about me. And if God doesn't care about me, then he probably doesn't love me. And if God doesn't love me, then who will? Maybe I'm not lovable. Maybe I'm not worthy of love. You see how fast we go right into the shame cycle? And round and round. And then we start to show up and behave unlovable. <laughs> probably angry, hostile, right? Volatile. And then people react like, ooh, stay away from me, dude. Or do that, right? And then we get evidence. Oh, see what I mean? 
Nobody wants to be around me. Meanwhile, we're showing up like a jerk in our lives, right? But it just reinforces and around we go. So we do the same thing with God, don't we? So Jeff, how do we get out of this? These cycles, these story cycles, these negative story cycles that steal and rob from our lives. How do we get into the positive, whole and complete integrity cycles? We tell the stories. So, so the first thing that you do so that the, the way that you described your experience with your father is a terrific example. So you tell the story. And, and what I have found um, is the more you tell a story, the more that your relationship with that story changes. So. Mm-hmm. Repetition. Rep, well, not just repetition. It's also there's kind of a revision process. And so it's it's um, now I used to, I got into a habit um, when I was working through my own baggage, probably in my early 20s, where I started a journal. And so if I thought it it went on the journal. And so I've got reams and reams of you know of shelves of, of journals, um, some of which I've never tossed, um, never look at, but I've never tossed. Uh, but the, the process of actually telling those stories, um, journal is useful relationships are better. It's, it's finding those trusted people in your life that you can have that dialogue with. If it's not the sort of thing where you, where you feel like you can get close enough to somebody to do that because intimacy is actually a risk. Um, and that risk may feel a little bit burdensome, start on paper, start on paper and begin to do some, to, to do some revision about the elements, the conclusions. And there's, there's a difference between observations and conclusions. So you saw your dad on the phone. He's having the conversation. You're trying to, you're living in your own space where I have got to share this. I'm going to burst if I don't share this, right? So this is like, this is like, ha, and, and all that. I'm a very enthusiastic individual. I just am. But, but yeah, and, and there it was. And so it's being able to pull the elements of that story. You know, if you were scripting this out, um, you might ch- you might decide to change the language. You might decide to change the scene. There's there's all sorts of things that you do in the editing process of building that. That's actually very similar to what reintegrating that experience into a whole connected way of being does. It's that's that's the process. So Jeff, I remember doing something like that, right? And I think it's a valid approach, all right? But I want to give two different strategies to you, BC Nation. So the first is what Jeff said, right? So uh, I remember like role-playing some of those, you know, conversations with dad, for example, that really hurt me. And I gave my own meaning to a meaningless event. He was on a phone call, right? Like, and I'm like, nah, I'm a piece of crap. Nobody wants to hear me, right? (laughs) That was the meaning I gave to that phone call, right? But one of the things I did was like, they're like, make believe you're sitting in a movie theater, and you're watching the big screen and just play that story, that movie, that event back. But this time, play it the way you saw it, you remember it. Okay, now play it again. After you, you finish, play it again. But this time, speed it up. All right, so it's like, like fast forwarding. All right, finish it. Now this time, play it backwards. So, right, and rewind. Okay, this time played on the big screen. You're observing it. You're not in it. You're just watching it. Played on the big screen. But I want you to picture your dad talking like Mickey Mouse, for example, right? It's a little high-pitched Mickey Mouse voice or whatever. 
And it takes a lot of the heaviness and the hurt and the sting out of it because it's almost funny now. It's humorous, right? So that is one approach, BC Nation, and it helps. I think it helps. Jeff, what really, truly helped me um, was going through another program where they had me, they just asked me real questions. They're like, okay, so you concluded based on your dad shunning you, right? And, And he was on a call. He's like, get away from me. He snapped at you you created this one possible outcome that you're unlovable. What you have to say isn't, you know, important, et cetera. Nobody should listen to you. Okay. What else is possible? What other meaning could have happened? Was your dad talking with someone who is going through an emergency? Is that possible? And I was like, yeah, I guess that was possible. Okay. Got it. Um, is it, what else is possible? Right. And they asked me like three or different four times and asked me to create new possibilities of like real things that could have been happening with my dad that had nothing to do with me. I was crashing his party and interrupting him. And I'll tell you, for my brain to see, wait a second, I picked one possible uh, scenario, one possible meaning for that meaningless event, but there's four other possible meanings I could give it. The one I picked was the most negative one, the one that has hurt me and hasn't served me my whole life. These other three or four do serve me. Which do I want to choose? And right there, I was able to rewrite my story, re-edit my story. And that's where I had a lot of freedom in that. So I just want to give that other uh, option as well to UBC Nation. Jeff, what do you think? The contrast is is really... um really helpful so what what the picture that you're painting is is that the mickey the mickey mouse voice on your father right so you've kind of taken something that's 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 salient and visual and very vibrant in your life and you've put that on there i would never think about taking uh, some sort of time in my life and taking a disney character and and templating that voice it wasn't my idea (laughs) So it's, it's, it's a, so there's, there's, and it's, there's something, there's something to be said about, you know, the voice that's giving you the disapproving message. And what if somebody else, what if that came out of somebody else's mouth? Uh, What if it came out of the mouth of a Mm five-year-old? What if it came out of the five, what if it came out of the mouth of the most beautiful woman you've ever seen? Oh, that now that one I never did, but I, I kind of want to now. <laughs> right. So, so it's, 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 what's going to work for you yes. is different than what's going to work for me, yeah. but there's still, it's, it's within, it's within your life experience. Um, it could be the relationship in your life. It could be movie characters you appreciate. It could be like, you know, Maximus from Gladiator. Ooh, it could be, like... uh, it could be Batman. Uh, it, you know, it, it could be, uh, I am your father. You know, it could be yes. uh, the the uh, the Clint Eastwood character from, uh, uh, you know, name name one of his movies. Uh, the, are the, you feeling that? lucky, punk? Well, you know, are you? I was I was thinking about I can't remember the movie. I was thinking about um, Gran Torino. Gran Torino. So oh. it was the he was the get off my lawn guy. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's an angry dude. Right. All right, Jeff. We're gonna have to wrap up wrap up the show here. But what I want to get into because we promised BC Nation this, you believe you can run a successful business in service to our Heavenly Father. And you could do it through the integrated work of story. Now, you promised you're going to show us how. So how do we do that? 
how we do that is, is we actually investigate the stories of the people who come in to your practice. So in our case, so our um, clients, our, our customers, clients, our clients, our customers, they all have stories. Um, and part of your job is to not make the sale. Part of your job is to get clarity with them, help them find clarity. And their clarity is achieved through being able to retell their stories. It's a space of curiosity. Um, and in that space of curiosity, you can find joy and you can find creativity. And it doesn't have to be about the dollars and cents. If you do your job right and you connect with people in a human way, and that's like, what's your story? And being able to have those exchanges, the money takes care of itself. Would you be willing to share an example of a real story from one of your clients? You could change the name if you like, um, so that we get a real understanding of what we could do in our own business. Um, so uh, I'll call her, and I have to change, you know, for HIPAA mm -hmm. reasons, I have to, I have to change the name. Um, so let's call him Stan. Um, and Stan, the first time that Stan walked into my office, he actually didn't call on the phone. He walked into the office. And he was experiencing tinnitus um, and hearing loss. So tinnitus or tinnitus uh, is a sound that originates from inside your head. Um, and much of tinnitus actually has a, uh, it's a relationship between the part of your brain that processes sound and the cochlea, which is the hearing organ. And it's the relationship between those two that can, that can generate sound. And so Stan, um, came in and the best way that I can describe Stan was that his presence was like growling like a bear. He was just, and what was going on for Stan was he was in, it was actually causing him physical pain, which is, which is very rare. Um, most people have an annoyance, emotional issue with it, but for him, it was actually a physical sensation. Um, and being able to be in a space to just listen to him talk about his pain and not, and not own it. You know, it's it's a it's a space where you um, you take on the role of a caring friend. Uh, and so so how does it hurt? Does it hurt? And then just getting into the details. Does it change during the course of the day? Does it bother you more at night? And in that process, in those kind of getting to those details, the story begins to unfold. And in the same way that we tell a story in order to reintegrate our experiences um, into, into our history, um, it's, a, it's a process that the patient can go through or the client can go through where they're telling more and more, those details flesh out and the telling of those details is magic. It, it sounds simple, but the way that it works is it's just a space of openness and candor and in his telling of the specifics, how it bothers me, how it hurts, when it hurts, when it's when that pain spikes. It was the process that got us on the path. Um, now those, all of those details we can take, and this is where my wife, who's an, a magnificent audiologist uh, comes into play. So, so with those details, she was able to to make some decisions. The, it's where the art comes in along with the science um, about how we would address the treatment. And 
and the 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 night and day difference. Uh, he is a gentle, kind soul, and when we were able to unplug uh, that painful experience, um, he came out. It was like Stan was rescued from that burden, um, the burden like of my weight that we were talking about at the beginning, the burden of the stuff that was going on for you. Stan went through that transformation, and we got to see that over the course of the few weeks from the time we first met him until we got him until we started our treatment with him. Now to clarify, Stan was able to release all that pent up anger and uh, maybe rage or whatever, just the pain, just by telling the story over a matter of weeks? Or was there actual physical stuff that you did to help him as well? The story starts, um, what the story, the telling of the story in that relationship is somebody is actually hearing what I'm going through. They understand my pain and they're willing to stand alongside with me and release it. It's, um, it's that you can, it's whether like you've got a car problem that you're trying to fix or you're trying to get a house repaired or any problem that you may occur in your life that you cannot find somebody to do a decent enough job for. And you finally connect with somebody and they get you and you feel like the job feels like it's half done, even though all you've done is just write a check and handed it over. It's that, it's that I know I'm working with somebody who's gonna care enough to help me get to the other side of whatever this tunnel is. I'm not alone in this anymore. And that probably has as much to do with the final outcome as the actual work that we do. So to clarify what I'm hearing you say is the feeling heard, feeling understood by someone else in the struggle you're going through is half the healing. Is that I correct? Yeah, I, I would, I would, I differentiate that. So the language is important and I, I differentiate between clarity and certainty. Certainty is that space that happens only between your ears. Clarity is when you're aware of what's going on in the outside world. You've got clarity about the outside environment and clarity is what you're looking for. Uh, whenever you're working with somebody and helping them through their pain, it's the clarity. I wanna be very clear about what's hurting this person what my role is in helping them to solve it. How can I help this person pass through this particular valley of fire that they're working through and get to the other side? All right, got it. Listen, BC Nation, you know, Jeff's sharing some powerful stuff here, right? Can you heal yourself through telling your story, through storytelling? I mean, or at least start the healing process or at least get 50% there. Is it possible, right? This is what he's he's proposing here today. All right, Jeff, uh, welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the confession round. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. It's like a game show. Are you ready? Play it on me. <laughs> What's your favorite thing about God? That he loves me as much as I love him. Ah, got it. What's your least favorite thing about God? I, I guess um, it would be nice if I had his sense of timing, uh, not just being a, a, just having a short temporal life and, and not seeing the grand scheme of things. 
I, I don't see what he sees in terms of like the whole course of human history. I would, I would like to have that. However, thousand, hundred thousand foot view. That would be delightful. Um, but that, that's, uh, I can't blame him for it. But that's, I guess, that's my least favorite. It's what I don't have, not what I don't like about him, though. It definitely causes attention for sure. Yes, it does. I believe that we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. It's just part of the human condition. Mm -hmm. What are you currently struggling with right now, either professionally or personally? I exist in this space where I have these two competing needs. It's uh, urgency and patience and knowing when to sit back and be patient and knowing when to really throw my shoulder behind this rock and push it up the hill. And, and sometimes I pick the wrong one. It's like door number one or door number two and which, which one. So finding that balance is a consistent struggle. Luckily, um, I'm a really fast starter. So when I decide to go, I don't need a lot of runway, uh, but, but kind of like, should I, should I just wait and wait this out? Or should I just like, okay, that's it. Enough of this nonsense. I'm going to put my will behind this now. That's always deciding which way to go is, is a struggle. I think that's a big struggle for most of us is to align not only with God's will, but also with God's timing. Both Absolutely. Are necessary. Both Absolutely. Are necessary. What are you most afraid of? Uh, the, the, the history of this country, um, the, the path of this country, especially with regards to the protection of the unborn and um, the, the attack on family. Um, I, I find that very mournful. I get that. What did you spend way too much time doing this past year? Social media. <laughs> That's honest. What secret fear do you have about people? That um, they won't see. Um, I, I had a prayer, I had a conversation with God. I was probably about, I was probably about 40 which is, uh, okay, if I do the math, that's 15 years ago. And I wanted to be a man of sight. I wanted to be able to see. And at no point did it actually occur to me that I really want other people to be able to see too. And it's, 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 when, it's when you can lay a triangle in front of somebody and they're arguing with you about how many corners it has. The answer is three. And when they don't see the three corners of the triangle, that's, ah, that's hard. I would have thought your prayer would be like, Lord, I want to be able to hear because I'm in the hearing business and I help people hear. But no, it's to see. Okay, no no judgment. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? Um, that, uh, that he has a plan um, and that that plan includes our partnership. He's not, this is not the sort of thing where he's just uh, doing this by himself but that he wishes to co-create with me. And that is, um, it's, it's, uh, it's awe-inspiring, it's humbling, and it's um, magnificent, all wrapped up into one. I What's wish I new, had that lesson sooner, sorry. What's a new habit you wanna break this year? Social media. <laughs> <laughs> What's a new habit you're going to create this year? Um, I will be, uh, um, the new habit is creating more content, um, which is where Jeff dash Simon or Jeff hyphen dash Simon.com is all about. So just, just to get this clear, you want to create more 
content for social media so that you can break the habit of too much social media. Is that correct? Well, let's see if I can have a conversation with people <laughs> that doesn't really rely on social media, but I have a song I that you've heard and I think the willingness to sing that song so people can hear that's probably the awesome. habit. If, if I, if I pulled the, you know, six or seven people in my life um, who've had the most influence on me in the last year, they would all tell you the same thing. Jeff needs to talk and, and he needs to sing a song and have it heard more. Pick three words to describe who you are now. I am uh, passionate. I am grateful. And I am well loved. Pick three words to describe who you were before you heard God in your life. Lonely, intense, wounded. And last question, Jeff, if you could come back to life after you died, look your family and friends, your wife in the eye, and give them only one piece of advice about God, what would you say to them? The, the, the pictures of beauty that you have, those fleeting moments, he wants you to invest in those. He wants you to invest more of your time in the beauty that inspires you lean into lean into those activities away from the chaos and away from the stagnation but into that creative joyful wonderful space that's that's what he that's what the lord wants for you and that's something that he wants to partner with you in Jeff, this is the time of the show when I hand over the host mic to you, and I ask you to give BC Nation, my audience, a homework assignment for this week. What is one action they can take to grow their faith and trust God even more? Get up early and read, write, walk, uh, analog no electronics, but come up with, come up with a habit and explore, explore beauty, whatever it looks like beautiful to you. If it's a hike someplace, um, but away from the electronics, uh, the more physical presence you have to this, the better. Um, I happen to live in a place where I get to enjoy sunsets and sunrises. And I take advantage of those whenever the weather allows me to, um, it has been one of the most fruitful habits I have ever done is to just get up early enough so that I can have time for just me before the day starts. And it's me, my thoughts, um, and, and whatever God puts on my heart. And sometimes it's reading and sometimes it's writing and sometimes it's just appreciating uh, a magnificent sunrise or a magnificent sunrise being really yeah, I get that. BC Nation, do you enjoy the show? Go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio right now and write an honest review, would you? And if you like, if I like what you write, I may share and give you a shout out live on the show, you know, just to say thank you. All right, Jeff, what's the best way for BC Nation to get in touch with you? Uh, you can get a hold of me at Jeff Dash or Jeff Hyphen Simon dot com. Um, I'll have contact information down there. Uh, there's also LinkedIn and uh, Twitter icons. I know I use social media and stuff. Uh, Twitter and social media icons uh, to kind of connect with me. Um, uh, writing will happen, and uh, uh, Lord willing, a podcast will be coming 
from from you. Let's go, Jeff. Let's go, Jeff. All right, Jeff Simon, thanks for taking the time to spend it with uh, BC Nation, with myself, and I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life. Joseph, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for hosting this space. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock in the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on a bipolar and depression medicines? If any of these you connect with, then what I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently. Like be done with the addiction. Be done with the medications. Be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids. We lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we're, we want to work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.